We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Abner Maris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by Abulas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is. They'll talk about topics like the state of boxing and Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcast. Episodes in English out Tuesday and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesday. Now, let's start the show. Hello? We're on to Cincinnati. You play to win the game. It was all that Dan Marino's fault. Everyone knows that. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Rockpile Report, AFC East Roundup, hosted by Bill's season ticket holder, Drew Gear, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It, it came about because Mike McCagnan, the former general manager for the Jets, signed Le'Veon Bell to a deal, deal that paid him $28 million over two years, and Adam Gase got four yards per carry fewer than that, actually, uh, from Le'Veon Bell over those two seasons. Never seemed like he wanted him. Never seemed like he uh, had any really good ideas for how to employ him. And Bell being a guy that worked behind a really good offensive line with the Steelers didn't have that with the Jets. So now the Jets looking at it saying, this is a guy that's not in our future. He's got $8 million guaranteed for injury only next year. So if he plays this year for us and he gets hurt, we're on the hook for that. We can't find a trade partner despite the fact that we're willing to eat some money because of that $8 million in injury guaranteed next year, scaring away some teams. So they said, you know what? We're just going to move on right now. This is a guy that's not happy here. We're not getting the returns for him. So we are going to move on. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the AFC's Roundup Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Gear. It's my producer, Chris Greger. We are on top of things again. Week 5. We're recapping the action around the AFC East, and it comes on kind of a sour note for us Bills fans. It really does, because we took it in the teeth last, last night. Yeah, we got our asses handed to us. <laughs> a recap of the standings to kick off the show. The Bills are 4-1 and in first place in the division. I mean, despite the resounding loss, we still maintain a two-game lead in the AFC East. It feels big, I think. Right? Yeah. But ultimately, your division race is still, I'd argue, the important thing. And the Bills still have a sizable leg up in that department, with opportunities in the coming weeks to hopefully expand on it. The Patriots are in second place at 2-2. Two and two. They stayed neutral after having to take an early bye week due to a COVID infection to two players. How many masks do you think Cam Newton owns to go with his outfits? <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. You, a fashionista, would ask that question. I would. If another team were to be without some practice squad player, a cornerback and a quarterback, would they, too, get special accommodations? 
schedule accommodations being made for them? Would that happen? Probably. I mean, ultimately, the Patriots at 2-2 two and two are in the precarious situation of being just one win out of third place in the AFC East. The Dolphins currently sit at 2-3. and three. I mean, they're damn near tied with New England for third. Something I don't know if anyone saw coming at the onset of the season. And then you've got the Jets. The Jets are 0-5, firmly in fourth place. They're five wins out of the division lead. Ultimately, it's already it's already over, Chris. If you believe historical data, I mean, teams that have started 0-5 have made the postseason 0% of the time from 1990 to 2016. That's uh, a pretty good body of work, right? I don't expect them to uh, to make the playoffs. So what I do expect them to do at some point is get rid of Adam Gase, hire Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien brings in Rich Kotite as his, <laughs> o- as his offensive coordinator. And then they, what, what uh, that trifecta just drags them all to hell? Yes. <laughs> actually, in the Meadowlands, the, st- the ground of the stadium actually cracks open and Satan himself crawls through it. And that's actually the apocalypse. That's how it starts. It's not four horsemen. It's three terrible coaches. We're going to start this week's kind of roundup with the Patriots. Now, we didn't have a guest on for them because they didn't play. And also because they're a bunch of wankers. Yeah. I mean, Only two two people with COVID. So, so obviously we have, to re, we have to reschedule everything because God forbid the Patriots ever lose a game or two because of adverse situations. Oh, this player's not available. I just... Chris, I want to throw a brick through a window. I just don't know whose. That's how angry. Whose house am I pointing at? Oh, Jesus. Listen, it's, it's not your neighbor's <laughs> you can... fault that they're trash. Eh, well, <laughs> you know, well, they are. It's funny, folks. We joke here on this podcast about how I want to get my megaphone from home and bring it here so I can yell at his loud, trashy neighbors out the window to be quiet while we're podcasting. Yeah. Oh, what a mess. But the Patriots, I mean, this whole situation is just, it blows my mind that year after year after year, the Patriots seem to come out on top of every situation with the upper hand. Here's one that, listen, you saw the Titans, right? Yeah. Every, every combination made for them. Well, my, my whole thing with at but least... that's a legitimate outbreak. Yeah. This is two players. Yes. Isn't that what they expanded the practice squad for? Yeah. That, that was my whole thing with the Titans. Do you have 53 players that tested negative? You do? Well, then we're playing on Sunday. Well, we're depleted at this position because of COVID. That's not our problem. You broke protocol. You have 53 players to dress. Who put Ryan Tannehill out at middle linebacker if you need to? <laughs> you have 53 players that tested negative. Play. Well, I'm not going as far as Chris is here. I still believe that the Patriots... I, these accommodations and the schedule changes that happen because of it are absurd. Yeah. You need your top corners out. You have Ty Law's phone number. <laughs> Call him. You, you don't have Cam Newton. Okay. You have Brian Horner. And you Jared talk, Stidham. You talked up Jared Stidham all preseason. What? Now you're afraid to go into a game with him? I think this is just another example of an, the AFC East team with the most influential owner putting pressure on the league to accommodate them, which is bullshit. It's bullshit with a capital B. Ugh. And you know what, Chris? It ultimately might not matter because Cam Newton still can't throw the damn ball. No, he can't. <laughs> so ultimately, you're going to get him back for what? Unless you're playing a garbage secondary, he's not going to give you much of a lift other than what you saw from these guys anyway. He's a rushing threat. Great. I think the whole thing is absurd, and I hope, I hope that the Broncos somehow upset them. You need to start praying. It would be the greatest. I mean, watching them lose last year in the playoffs was fun. It it really did something for my inner pettiness. Yeah. Knowing that the Bills had just lost. Well, watching what, the Patriots follow with a loss felt pretty good. I think what topped it for you and during the playoffs was... That the final Brady throw of the season was a, <laughs> was a pick six. His final throw in a Patriots uniform was a pick six. That You're right. That did go a long way towards helping that. We can only hope 
that we see such things this weekend when the Patriots take on the Broncos. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. All one word, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. But Chris, since the Patriots aren't here tonight to defend themselves, I figure that's enough trashing them for one night. <laughs> I, I want to move on to a more, a far more interesting topic. The most improbable outcome of the entire week. The Miami Dolphins beat the 49ers 43-17. to And we have Mr. Elf Artiaga on the line with us to discuss it. Elf, how you doing tonight? Good. <laughs> How, if I had, what would you have been willing to bet? If I, had, if I had a time machine and I could go back to you on a Friday afternoon and say, your Miami Dolphins, I bet you, I bet you any, the sum that Seagram's. your Dolphins are going to score 40 points against the 49ers on Sunday. What would you have been willing to wager me? Uh, not much. Had they, had you told me, okay, what you, what are you willing to bet that they would beat the 49ers? I would have said a decent amount because I picked them to win. And the Dolphins had a, well, you got to see it firsthand. And we talked about it on the three yards per carry podcast, but the Dolphins had a huge advantage with their wide receivers against the 49er DBs. And it, it showed up in spades. It showed up. More than we could ever dream that would showed up because because we we thought it would happen it would work out for us in one sense that maybe we could win a close game and I had us winning by a field goal uh, Chris had him win, had us winning by less than a touchdown and I think Simon I forgot what Simon picked but you know that it would be this bad no. <laughs> the, the stats speak for themselves Ryan Fitzpatrick twenty two of twenty eight. For seventy-eight point five percent completion percentage, what? That's ridiculous. Mm, yeah, he was he was good, Fitzpatrick. Um, we've said it all year. If we get the good Fitzpatrick, we could beat every, anybody in in the league. If we don't, we probably can't beat anybody in the league. So, yeah, it was just it was it was fun to see, and it, and it was great to see a, a game plan perfectly executed. And they're growing. They're growing, you know, slowly but surely. And and if this is any, and if last year was any tell, and they're going to get better as the year goes on, this team could be pretty, pretty damn good by the end of the season. Now, what did you guys do on offense? I mean, this is a team that we're going to see, Chris. We're going to see these guys in a couple of weeks. San Francisco, yeah, yeah, sometime in December on a Monday night. But so, what is it that you guys did schematically that allowed Fitzpatrick to just have this? <laughs> this renaissance of an afternoon. Oh, well, we had a, a 6'3", 220-pound wide receiver and a 6'5", 230-pound wide receiver that could jump over their smaller guys and their inexperienced guys in Brian Allen, and we just threw a bunch of 50-50 balls and stretched the field on them all game. And for whatever reason, they kept trying to sell out for a lot of our, our digs and our, and our slant routes, and I guess we put it on film the last couple of weeks. And Gase, I, I mean Gase, I mean Chan Gailey actually gave him a head fake with it by using a lot of the same personnel groupings and formations and then showing that route tree and then bailing out of it and running flag routes. And they just couldn't cover deep balls. And we just got whatever we wanted on them. I think Nick Bosa being out also helped. And Solomon yeah. Thomas. <laughs> so they really didn't have a pass rush. Well, for a team that didn't have a pass rush, one thing I did see now was the pass. I mean, was your attack? Would you say it was more pass oriented than ground oriented? Because I noticed that nobody on your team had more than sixty yards on the ground. No, we just threw it all over the place to get that lead, and we didn't stop throwing it until we ran it in the fourth quarter to kill the rest of the clock. Wow! And then on the flip side of the ball, now obviously you guys chased Jimmy Garoppolo out of his return. It, yes. I remember seeing him him starting. I watched the first couple series, 
And then I came back later in the afternoon and I'm watching it and I'm going, wait a minute, where the hell is Garoppolo? I don't, yeah, know if he, I, I don't know if it was an injured calf or if it was just his pride that was wounded. I don't know. But what I saw, just looking over the numbers and in the limited amount of the game I was able to watch in real time, your defensive backs seem like they really had a day against this San Francisco offense. Is that just a, their lack of wide receiver talent? Or are your D-backs finally starting to round into form as, as far as what we expected to see from them at the onset of the season? Well, to start the game, uh, they had Garoppolo starting. Raheem Mostert made his return. George Kittle was coming off a 15-catch, 185-yard game the, the previous week. They got Debo Samuel back. They got Brandon Ayuk playing. So they had their full complement. But I think this was just about the Dolphins doing what they were supposed to do. There's a reason you have two cornerbacks making $150 million on this team. Okay, and that's, that's 150 million dollars on two cornerbacks. They're supposed to do what they did. They erased those guys. Xavier Howard got his third consecutive interception. He has three interceptions in three weeks. So, Brian uh, Byron Jordan, I mean Byron Jones, made his return, and he didn't allow. I think I, I believe he allowed one catch to Debo Samuel. So they're just do. They just did what they were supposed to do all year, and. I, I really feel that what happened to Garoppolo was that he got hit early in that game. Uh, nobody really paid attention to it, but he got slammed on his head early in that game, and he was never the same for the rest of that half. Well, and I believe that that's that's what contributed to to his performance in that first half, the two picks, and then they just benched him because he was completely ineffective. He had happy feet. You could see that he was trying to hurry throws, like he was afraid to get hit. I think I think he got dinged early in the game, and he never recovered. Oof. Sounds a lot like Trent Edwards. <laughs> I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you what. His stat line looked like a Trent Edwards stat line. No wide receiver with more than fifty yards. Note the deep. You guys gave up no passing touchdowns to a wide receiver. And what is this? Just five total first downs caught by wide receivers over the course of the game. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. I mean that's the type of that's the type of secondary performance that we're used to seeing from our Buffalo Bills. We sure as hell didn't get it this week. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, and 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 a guy who deserves a lot of credit for the Dolphins is Eric Rowe. He's been uh, they've made him our tight end specialist all year, and he was that last year as well, and he had some success. If you've watched the Dolphins over the years, we we are notorious for giving up huge games to tight ends. Not anymore. Not with that guy around. He completely shut down George Kittle. I know George Kittle ended up with, I believe, four catches for 44 yards, but uh, Pro Football Focus says that only one of those catches was on Eric Rowe, and the rest were against zone defense. So, yeah, he's doing the job. And pound for pound, I believe he's been our most consistent defender all year. Wow. I mean, if, if that's the case and you guys are truly turning a corner, then this it, this is a Dolphins team that could be very dangerous down the stretch, especially already being tied in wins with the New England Patriots there. I'm talking about second place in the division, you guys are getting some wins under your belt. I mean, does a win like this change the outlook of the season in the eyes of Miami Dolphins fans? Uh, in one sense, it does, because now they do have some gimme games that are they're required to beat the crap out of the Jets this weekend. And they're probably required to beat the crap out of the Jets again when they play them again. And now they're they're required to be competitive with the rest of the division, the Bills and and the Patriots. And more likely than not, they're probably required to beat the Patriots the next time around. So, yeah, this changes things. If you look at over the next seven games, if they play the way that they played, there's no reason they can't rattle off all seven. But, you know. Realistically, five and two is prob- probably something that fans are looking forward to over the next seven weeks. I mean, it really just does, to your point earlier, it comes down to the Jekyll and Hyde nature of Ryan Fitzpatrick and what you get from him on a given day. I think that that's really what's going to dictate these. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. He played, he played, although it is kind of encouraging because he played well against Buffalo, and we lost a close one. That one's completely on the defense. They, they just couldn't get off the field in the fourth quarter. We take the lead. It's time to buckle down and try to win a game at home, right? They didn't do that. Against Seattle, Fitzpatrick was absolutely terrible. 
and they still were in that game late in the fourth quarter. So that was a little bit more encouraging. So, yeah, absolutely. He plays well. There's no reason they shouldn't win games. And well, you got, you got this monster matchup coming up with Joe Flacco. You know, that, that juggernaut of a quarterback, Joe Flacco, in the New York Jets. At this point, that should be sweet revenge because Joe Flacco with the Ravens is is a house of horrors versus the Miami Dolphins. Really? And I'm talking about going back to 2003 when he beat us in the playoffs, okay? We just can't beat Joe Flacco. It's just one of those things. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But well, I t- guess we get to exact some revenge. I was going to say, you at least have- we better. You have to feel pretty good about your odds at this point, right? No Le'Veon yeah. Bell. I mean, I th- you know, no Sam Darnold. You got Joe Flacco in there who's missing some of his playmakers. And you guys probably have the largest advantage anybody could ask for in the fact that Adam Gase is still their head coach and play caller, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's another one. And, yeah, and last year they snuck one game on us and i really do feel that we got screwed out of that game remember they they won that game by kicking a field goal because they got a 16 yard pass interference penalty when it was third and i believe it was third and like 20 something third and 20 uh, fourth and 22nd fourth and 22 i believe it was and they got a 16 yard penalty that gave them a first down and they kicked the field goal and they won the game they should have not won that game either so yeah, we should have beaten him twice last year. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, much is expected this Sunday. Well, we're excited to see it. I mean, it's it's one of those things we'll be watching with morbid curiosity, considering our Bills aren't playing again. Another Sunday with no Bills football. I, I thought I would enjoy it more. I really did. And this is this is starting to become a pain in the ass trend that I hope ends sometime soon. Well, two guys on New England got COVID, so they decided to change every single game on our schedule this week, which was absolutely insane. Tell me that that saw. isn't so. You can you can agree with us. We were just talking about this before we brought you in. How absurd is it? I understand the Tennessee Titans getting a pass because well, not getting a pass, but you you didn't have a choice. They have a full blown outbreak. The the Patriots get an one infection. And they say, okay, you got to go play with your quarterback. And then they lose a game. And the very next week, they have one more. Oh, no, excuse me, two to a practice squad player. Two more infections. Not a full-blown outbreak. It just happens to be your quarterback and your Pro Bowl, All-Pro cornerback. And suddenly, the league has to bend over backwards and shuffle the deck for everybody. What it, What is that, in your opinion? <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's it's suspicious, at least, right? But, right. You know, uh, I don't understand. I don't understand how. Okay, it's their problem, so they have to change three of our games, take away our bye week, move it all the way up. When realistically, you know, you know, we kind of wanted our our bye week in week eleven, so we could be rested for you know that stretch of games at the end of the year, which is a pretty rough stretch of games, and if. If we have, you know, if we're holding on to a record with, you know, maybe one or two games over 500, we're going to want to rest heading into those last four games. We don't have that anymore. So now they're giving us the, the bye week next week. Why? Like, we didn't do anything. So because they do something, they have to change everything around on us. Yeah. And it's incredible. They also make us play Denver now later in the season when we had them earlier in the season. So now we get Drew Locke. We don't get their backup quarterback next week. So, you know, it's, you know, I, you know, I don't know what else to say. It's uh, it's the Patriots, you know. It's the Patriots, they always right? Ma- they always managed to do something that pisses the rest of the division off. That's all you can say is it's the Patriots. Elf, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you guys on social? Of course, uh, Three Yards Per Carry on Twitter, and you can listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's the number three yards per carry. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. 
Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. And so as we move along with the AFC East Roundup podcast, the New York Jets played the Cardinals this weekend, and the Cardinals walked away with a 30-10 to victory. And yet somehow the beating they took on the field was topped, if you could imagine, by the one they took off of it last night. And to talk about it, we have Mr. Scott Mason. How are you doing, sir? My head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scott. I mean, first of all, you guys were forced to start Joe Flacco for a football game. A part mm-hmm. of me was like, you know what? To prep for this show, I should probably go at least watch the condensed version of the game. It's condensed. It only takes 40 minutes to watch a full football game. And I quit probably 10 minutes into it. (laughs) Well, I bet if we looked at the ratings, we'd find out you weren't the only one, Drew. I think (laughs) a lot of people probably tuned out a few minutes in. Yeah, the funny thing about it is Flacco wasn't that bad. I mean, for reasonable expectations, 35-year-old coming off a neck surgery who hasn't played in quite a while – He had a lot of drop passes. I'm not saying he was good, but for what you could have reasonably expected, I thought he was all right. He didn't lose them the game by any stretch. But, yeah, I mean, look, what it boiled down to was the Cardinals are just a much better football team. As I said last week on the show, the biggest problem for the Jets right now is that not only can they not score points, but they can't stop the opposing team from scoring points, which is – Really a recipe for being the absolute worst team in the league, which is what I think they are right now. Oh, well, they're on their way to, I mean, they're already at the bottom of the scoring differential. And to your point last week, it could be worse. It could actually be worse than it currently is. I I guess for you guys as Jets fans, how hard is it as a fan not to check out? I just, (laughs) I, I look at it as... And again, I guess this is me being a hardcore fan. This is something where now we're sort of reduced to caring more about how certain players look than the results of the actual game. So yeah, obviously. (laughs) You're self-scouting at this point? Yeah, more or less. I mean, look, you're still rooting for the wins and all that. But at the same time, you realize that they're not really going to matter in the long run. So what you're looking at is – how does Mekhi Becton look? If Denzel Mims ever plays, how does he look? You look at Quinnen Williams, John Franklin Myers, guys like that, guys that might be here next year and for the next couple of years. That's really what, what this is about for me. It's weird because it almost feels like when you're tuning in for a preseason game and you're saying, ah, eh, well, I mean, I just want to see how such and such player looks in a real game. It's more or less where we're at right now because I think everybody understands that the Jets have zero chance to make the playoffs at this point. So we're just watching to see how certain players look. That's more or less what's keeping me tuned in. I can't speak for other people. I think other hardcore fans probably feel the same way because a lot of fans who don't watch live will DVR it and maybe skim through it, I think. The casual fan, I think, is at the point where if they're not tuning out, they're pretty close to that point. So – That's more or less what I think Jets fans are at right now. I think the hardcores are either watching for the reason I am or skimming through the DVR version for the reason I am. And the casual fans are either about checked out or they have checked out already. There's a lot of yard work being done in New Jersey on these Sundays. Yes. (laughs) So the big story of the week, and I got to tell you, we talked about it during the Rock Power Report this week. The Le'Veon Bell news. It breaks during halftime. It breaks during halftime of the Bills drubbing by the Titans. And somehow it was the thing, like if there was any bright spot to stick out of a game like that, 
for Buffalo. It wasn't even <laughs> anything Buffalo did. It was something that this tells you what a petty man I am. Yeah. <laughs> I see this news and all of a sudden like a smile comes on my face. And I grab my kid and I hug him and I'm like, you know what, bud? You and me are going to be all right. I start bouncing him on my knee and Chris goes, what? All of a sudden you're just perfectly fine with everything that's going on with our football team. And I go, yeah, but at least at least I'm not that team. <laughs> I am my son and at least I'm not that team. So, so we're talking about this as the it's the biggest story of the week, I think, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. We're looking at a guy who was signed. I mean, we heard Mike Garofolo talk about it in the intro to the show. $28 million contract he signed to. And Gase apparently, Gase wasn't a fan of the move. He hated him from the get-go. He, he, mm-hmm. he didn't like the move. It was made by a GM that he helped get fired. So when you look at these things, though, I mean, First of all, there's just the statistics, and then there's this. There's a tweet today from Connor Hughes that says, Adam Gase said the perception that he misused Bell is quote-unquote irrelevant. (laughs) Now, if that's not the most Adam fucking Gase thing to say, Mm -hmm. do you as a Jets fan feel that he got a fair shake? I mean, here's what I'm... To preface this, three targets in the passing attack this season... Not not just in a game, this season. And in two seasons with the New York Jets, he's averaged 1.2 and 1.6 yards before contact, both career lows. Through 15 games in 2019, he had 245 rush attempts, career low when he played more than 12 games. He had just 233 more rushing yards through those 15 games he played last year than he did in 2015 when he only played six games. <laughs> I mean, what do you make of this? This Adam Gase saying, well, the fact that I didn't I didn't use him properly is quote unquote irrelevant. What do you make of that? Of course it's relevant because it's another example of Gase refusing to take responsibility for his mistakes, which he just it reminds me of if you've ever seen Major League Two. The part where just before Lou Brown is about to have his heart attack, he starts yelling at the team and saying, it's either a leg thing or a spiritual thing. All you guys do is make excuses. It's the only thing you do good anymore. And that's more or less Adam Gase. He's an all pro at making excuses, terrible at everything else. If you back up through the timeline of what happened with Le'Veon Bell, the the perception is that it was McCagnan that signed him. It was really the acting owner, Christopher Johnson, who pressed for that. McCagnan basically was just acting on the owner's orders and Gase never wanted Bell here. And the problem became that a good coach would say, you know, I didn't want this guy for A, B and C reasons. Here now he's a great player and I'm going to make the best of it. But instead what we saw was, as you said, he was never used properly in the passing game. Now, people will point to, oh, we had plenty of receptions last year. But as Michael Nanny at JetsXFactor.com pointed out through an exhausting study of Bell's usage, almost every single one of those targets and receptions was either in a screen or in a check down. He was never – he was very rarely used, lined up at receiver, in the slot, or even just out wide, which is what everybody was saying last year because, as you said – The offensive line was just not tailored to what Bell does well. They were the worst offensive line in the league last year. And Bell's a guy that, much like Curtis Martin, waits for the hole patiently to open up, and then he exploits it. And and he's got incredible field vision, but there were no holes. So he was running into brick walls. But what a a smart coach would have said is, okay, he's not able to get yards running the ball because of how bad the offensive line is, but we can exploit these mismatches. We don't have tremendous receivers. Let's line them out wide. Let's use them in the slot a little bit. And we should be able to get something out of them. Gase never did that. And then the insult to injury, of course, is that the offseason, he spent the entire offseason talking about how one of his biggest regrets last year was not using Belmore in the passing game. And he was going to do it this year. And there was going to be, you know, he was going to commit himself to it. And he thought that it was something that would really help improve the offense. And then as you just said, now listen, Bell was hurt a little bit, so he missed a he few did. games, but barely used him. And this was the tipping point because – He's the only skilled player who's healthy. Bell, 
He's the only skill player on your team who was available. And you dialed up three targets in two games. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. that This was the tipping point because what happened was a lot of times Bell was thrown under the bus either publicly by Gase in comments at press conferences or there were a lot of like cryptic leaks to the media about, oh, Le'Veon Bell's not reporting to optional, by the way, workouts, even though he's sending out videos of look at me kicking ass in these workouts, I'm 4% body fat. But apparently the word optional didn't mean anything to these people. So they made a mountain out of a molehill, but he ate it. He ate it every single time when he took the high road, which everybody, oh, Le'Veon Bell, he's going to took the high road every time. But this was the last straw because I think what happened here is Le'Veon Bell is somebody that if he's not going to be used properly but the team's winning, he'll he'll swallow it. But after a while, all these broken promises, all the miscommunication, the misusage, throwing him under the bus, all this, he just couldn't take it anymore. And there was a reporter, Brian Costello from the New York Post, who got all upset because Bell didn't do the Zoom call after the press conference. But the reason Bell didn't do it is because he knew that he was angry and that if he did it, he might say something he regretted. So he decided to cool off instead. Now, he liked some tweets. One of them was by Joe Caparoso uh, outlining what you talked about with the target, the lack of targets. Yes. And so then, then this became a whole thing where, oh, they're trying to trade Bell and, oh, now they just go ahead and release him. But, but the reality of this is, and I'll say this to you guys, and I, I think any coach worth his salt would have said this. If I was Adam Gase, I would have gone to Bell after what, what went down and, and how Bell was upset, and I would have sat him down and I would have said, Lev, look, we're never going to be best friends. Um, you're not coming over to my house for Thanksgiving, and I'm sure I'm never going to be getting a Christmas card from you. But here's the reality. I'm getting fired at the end of the year, and you're getting cut. So let's do everything we can to work together. Uh, you make me look good. I'll make you look good. And then hopefully when you get cut and I get fired, I'll have somewhere to go. You'll have somewhere to go. So let's do our best to put our differences aside and help each other out. Instead, the release thing happens. And, of course, the Jets PR spin is, well, we were afraid he'd get hurt, and then we'd have to guarantee him $8 million a year as if they're not going to have $8 zillion in salary cap space if that was a worst-case scenario. So, look, as far as I'm concerned, none of this is on Le'Veon Bell. He did everything he was asked. He was constantly belittled and put in terrible positions. He took the high road, and the Jets basically, on the way out, more or less took a whiz all over him again. So I, I have nothing but positive things to say about Bell. I hope he does well wherever he lands. It's a real shame because only the Jets could take a guy who was – headed for the Hall of Fame, and now signing with the Jets may have derailed that, but a Hall of Fame talent, and within 20 games, devalued him to the point that nobody would even give you a seventh-round pick for him. It's it's really unbelievable. That, if anything else, is the most Jets thing I've ever heard. One last thing I want to ask you about before we let you go. I'm looking at a tweet from Rich Semini. <laughs> he says, Gase said he talked to his staff about the play-calling question. Yeah the people who work under him, and that they agreed he's the best guy for the job. <laughs> and then someone who is a blue checkmark reporter for the Rams that goes by Ramblin' Fan on Twitter said, Translated, you aren't toe-tagging any of us with that stink bomb. You broke it, you fix it. <laughs> Has that become the dynamic inside? The, I mean, you've lost the only dynamic weapon you have left. You've lost him. He's gone. You're now left with a bunch of broken pieces. I mean, you the, the Jets are effectively the island of misfit toys when it comes to the skill positions. Do Are you shocked at the idea that Adam Gase is ready to A, go down with the Titanic, and that B, none, no one else wants to put their name on this? Well, first of all, I just have to stand up for Jamison Crowder, who actually is a very good player and, and somebody that I – Hope the Jets extend, but knowing the way that they are, they'll probably release him to save a few bucks to go not get anybody who doesn't want to come here. But as far as what you're talking about, it's funny. I tweeted out something after that. I said, oh, this reminds me of a conversation I had recently with my dad. I said, Dad, who do you think's the best Jets podcaster out there? He said, you. I said, oh, thanks for the vote of confidence, Dad. It's like, hey, remember that time when I hired all you guys and 
gave you paychecks so you could feed your family. Who do you think's the best equipped to do this job? You, sir, you. There's that, a little bit of that. But I also think that that it's part, like you said, like who wants to put their name on this? And, and to um, add to that, I had said a couple of weeks ago that I wanted Gase to get fired and then Brand Boyer, the special teams coach, to get the interim tag and let's see what, he, what he's got. I've now changed my mind on that. I don't want Brand Boyer to have to have this on his resume and ruin – you know, potential jobs for himself in the future. I'd rather Greg Williams have his resume ruined with this if they do end up firing Gase. But yeah, I mean, who would want to put their, their name on this? Uh, It's, it's a disaster. I mean, and there's no real way out of this. I don't think, I mean, look, is it possible that, that Darnold does what he did last year and have a handful of really nice games, I suppose, but it's so much harder now because You've got Jamison Crowder. You've got a really good left tackle, a decent right tackle. And beyond that, you really don't have much. The tight ends have done next to nothing. Ryan Griffin can't get open, and Chris Herndon can't catch a pass. And the running backs, I mean, Frank Gore, for the love of God, you know, all due respect to him. He seems like a great dude, great leader. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame one day. I mean, I was laughing about this because I forget who it was. Oh, it was Bob Wischus and the Jets play-by-play announcer. He said – well, this is good because Bell didn't want to be here anyway, and now it opens up opportunities for the young guys. And I'm like, Bob, look, all due respect, man, but Frank Gore's got 65 carries and LaMichael Pirine's got 15. All this is going to do <laughs> is have make Gase feed Gore the ball more. So I don't know where it is that we're, we're thinking that this is going to lead to LaMichael Pirine having all kinds of extra touches or something like that. So – the, the whole thing is just an absolute mess. And like I said, the only one who I look at right now and say, wow, look, look, this, this is a guy that, that's really producing is Crowder. The funny thing about it is he has had over 100 yards receiving in each of the Jets games that he's played in all three. And he should have had a lot more because he was open a ton and Darnold just never saw him, which has been a big problem for Darnold this year. I wonder if, like I said, instead of extending him, they're going to look to move him at the deadline. And then we'll be looking at Prashad Perriman as the only option in the passing game. Because Chris Hogan, by the way, got hurt, so I don't even know if he's playing. It it really, like you said, Island of Misfit Toys is a great description. It's truly sad. I I don't know what else to say at this point, but (laughs) Adam Gase is just remarkable. It almost makes you wonder if he's trying to push as many buttons as he can, like, as if he's sitting there going, they'll, they won't fire me no matter what I do. Watch me do this, and they still won't do anything to me. Like, it's really unbelievable. And, uh, look, it's so sad because this is, what, the fifth year in a row where you get excited, you talk yourself into the season maybe being something, and, you know, two weeks into the season, it's over. And now we have to sit here and go, oh, 11 games, all right, when's the draft? Uh, oh, I'm reading mock drafts now, all oh, it- it's it's really it's incredible. That, welcome to the I, I welcome to the last enjoying. fifteen years of being a Bills fan. <laughs> yeah, Week right. two, it's over. Right. Who are we drafting? Right. Well, that's what it is. The last few years, I mean, like like I've been saying, the Jets haven't had a winning record in five years. They haven't been to the playoffs in ten. They haven't won a division in twenty, and they haven't been to the Super Bowl in fifty. So this is what we we're call coming sir. up on one of the worst stretches. I mean, so at the moment, the worst stretch in Jets history was uh, the end of the 1969 season after the Super Bowl. The year after the Super Bowl, they went to the playoffs and lost. They didn't make the playoffs again until the 81 season. That's a 12-year stretch. We're coming up on that very rapidly, guys, because this will be the 10th straight year that they didn't make it. And I don't see anything that makes me think that they're not very seriously going to be in danger of at least tying that 12-year stretch. So – yeah, I mean, what else can you say at this point? It, it's <laughs> This is a really – I'll put it this way. This will be my final thought on the subject. This is how bad it's got. I actually was on Twitter yesterday arguing with people that the Kotite era was still worse than this, and I do believe that for a variety of reasons. But the fact that I even have to have this argument tells you how bad things are right now. Chris, you go a decade, right? Yeah. Maybe more. Maybe 17 years. Can you officially call it a drought? Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, maybe, the torch, maybe the divisional torch has been passed. Oh, my God. 
Scott, we we love having you on here because you have the rare ability to talk about things in an upbeat manner when you root for a football team that no matter how low you think the floor is, they manage to tear it up and find a new level of hell. <laughs> so with that in mind, where can our listeners find you on social media and what do you have coming up this week? As I always say, Drew, if you're a Bills fan and you want to bask in my pain and hear a Jets fan slowly lose any bits of his sanity left you can follow me on twitter at play like a jet one or listen to play like a jet anywhere where you can download podcasts you know the deal apple google play stitcher spotify all that so this week uh we just had a podcast with manish meta of the daily news who by the way broke the bells not only broke the story that bell was getting shopped but also broke the story that bell had been released so uh, Manish is a very controversial character, but he still breaks a lot of stories. So you can go listen to that if you want. In fact, the story he broke the story as we were recording. That was the funny part. And then Michael Nania will be on. Uh, he'll probably be on already by the time this podcast comes out. But he broke down how badly the Jets misuse Le'Veon Bell in addition to some key statistics from the Jets games. He comes on every week. Your old friend Joe Blewett will break down the film. This week's special guest, by the way, Anthony Becht, former tight end for the Jets, the nice. Buccaneers, and a couple of other teams. He's going to talk about his observations so far during the season. We've got Know Your Foe, which will be fun. Uh, I don't know how much longer I'm even going to be able to do that because, as you said, the individual matchups are going to be tough for people to care about the opponent. But we're going to talk a little Dolphins with Brian No, who is the uh, midday host over at uh, 620 Rip City Radio and NBC Sports Northwest in Portland. He's been a diehard Dolphins guy for a really long time, so we'll talk to him. And then Chris Nimbley comes on during game days to talk uh, to answer some mailbag questions and give a final preview. And then Walter Cherapinski gives gambling tips. And then the post-game report is always fun because we get the raw, unfiltered opinions of myself and Andy Vasquez of NorthJersey.com. But also, as you just alluded to, Chris, we're at the point where following the draft is important, and Charlie Campbell of WalterFootball.com, who's a draft guy, uh, comes on for a couple of minutes every Monday uh, following the um, the inevitable the Jets loss. <laughs> the inevitable Jets <laughs> loss, <laughs> and he he gives us a little a little sunshine at the end of the rainbow to uh, help us get prepared for the draft. So every day, seven days a week, like I said, if you want to hear a grown man on the verge of tears. You can listen and follow me at Play Like a Jet One on Twitter. Appreciate Alf and Scott coming on. You can follow them on Twitter. They do great job for the teams that they follow. And that brings us to our Week Six outlook for the Buffalo Bills. We have a home game against Kansas City, matchup against one of the most consistent offenses in the NFL. <sighs> Check out our Rockpile Report podcast for a full preview of the game with Brett Coleman of the Film Room on YouTube with Brett Coleman and the Bootleg Football Podcast. If you like smart football talk, you like film study, you like craft cocktails, yeah, or guys with fancy tastes in booze, yeah, or you, he's your you, guy. Yeah, you need to know what a what a penicillin is. <laughs> yeah, a loss against Kansas City doesn't doom us. We still have a multi-game lead on the Patriots. So if this week, as most of Bills fans need to be reminded of, even if we lose again, it does nothing to us in terms of the divisional race. A loss doesn't doom us, and the Patriots lost to that team too, so it doesn't even count as a tiebreaker. We hold an advantage even if they lose, and if we win, that puts us that much farther out in front. Meanwhile, New England, home against Denver. Conveniently, they get their quarterback and their number one quarterback just in time for their next game. I think it's odd that their matchup this week was scuttled despite three tests, no actual spread, but we've already bitched about that enough. Broncos quarterback Drew Locke is eyeing a return, which I think could make a difference, Chris. I mean, him and Jerry Judy seemed like they were clicking. Yeah, but can you trust Drew Locke to stay healthy? Well, and then you've got Melvin Gordon who, I, I, again, I can't help but scream conspiracy. He goes out last night and gets an aggravated DWI. Oh, yeah, I saw that this morning. What an idiot. <laughs> what an idiot. Like, he's one of the dumber people. Like, you're the starting running back. You... 
Chris, you can afford an Uber. <laughs> Why are you drunk driving 30 miles yeah. an hour over the speed limit? You, yeah, you could afford to uh, get me as your driver and I drive to Colorado and get you. <laughs> exactly. And then Miami against the New, the New York Jets. That is interesting in the way that drunk neighbors shooting off fireworks is interesting. You're going to watch because it's entertaining, and yet secretly you hope they both get killed in the process. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Ultimately, this game is going to go a long way towards firming up. I mean, it's Joe Flacco. It's Joe Flacco and Adam Gase. Against Fitzmagic and Chain Gailey. Jesus. When you sell it like that, nobody's going to watch that game. But ultimately, this is a game that's going to determine whether or not the Jets just stay at the bottom of I mean, if they could, if the Jets, I almost feel like it's more damning for Miami if they allow, if they don't completely shellack the Jets here, it's almost somehow an insult to them, right? Yeah. And I'm looking at the coverage map. Only a few select cities get to watch that game. What do you mean get to watch? You you mean more like are subjected to it. Yeah, obviously it's Miami and New York City that are going to get it, but then you also have Jacksonville, Atlanta, Charlotte, Indianapolis, Chicago, Minnesota, and Detroit get to watch the... Thank God we're not watching it. Detroit? Haven't those people suffered enough? Yeah. Haven't they been subject to enough social atrocities that you wouldn't subject them to that game? I thought we would get that here locally, but we're getting New England-Denver, so we have that to look forward to. Jesus. For those that don't have Sunday ticket like myself. We have a huge week of football here for the AFC East to look forward to, guys. We're glad you come here every week to hear about it from us. Get the recap, get the info, get what's coming up. We, we appreciate the support because this podcast has really grown faster than I expected it to. It really has taken off quicker Chris, remember when we were talking about it? We said maybe a few hundred, maybe a hundred people might actually give a shit about it. Hey, I felt confident in my abilities to produce. That's about it. That's the only thing you have confidence in. That and your stupid hair. That, my hair, women, hockey, lots of things. Roller hockey. Yeah. Jesus. Thank you to each and every one of you who show up every week for this show. We appreciate it. Our guests appreciate it. And we appreciate you giving them a follow on social media and paying attention to what they produce. Ah, it's a great time to be alive, but we got to get the hell out of here for tonight. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. Big shout out to Scott Mason and Elf. This has been your AFC's Roundup. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.